Hey, what's up, Stay Tuners? It's your good friend Jimbo here, letting you know that today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today and let them know that you heard it from Stay Tuned Sports and you start earning today. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Hello there, all you Stay Tuners. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Tuned Sports. It's your good friend Jimbo here, back again with a, even though I sound like I'm in a, a, a happy and up mood, not too happy with my Eagles, playing to a tie once again with the lowly Bengals, but at least this time our quarterback knew that there was ties. But uh, yeah, it, it was a bad weekend for Eagles football. But other than the NFL news, there's, there's a lot of news going on. Um, games games being postponed because of COVID. Fans asking for Carson Wentz to be benched, which I don't understand. I'll get into that. We have our blue picks later on. But before we kick off, head over to staytunesports.net. All our social media accounts are over there on the right-hand side of the website. Click on them. Um, follow us there. Like us there. As well as all of the episodes we've ever aired um, you guys can click there and our merch tab is up top there go buy some shirts I'm working on some hats and some other stay tuned sports memorabilia merchandise however you want to say it so jumping right into it though I'm gonna talk a little bit about Conor McGregor haven't talked about him in a while and you know no news is good news as far as he goes um, past week or so yeah, past week him and Dana White is the new uh, teenage girl fight that's going on. Let's not forget about a month ago, it was John Jones and, and Dana White. John Jones wanted more money. In the end, decided to move up to heavyweight to get that money. Um, he's working on that. But this time around, something happened between Connor and Dana. Uh, Dana basically uh, saying that he offered the, the Gaethje fight to Connor. He offered the Tony fight to, to Connor, and Connor turned it down. Well, Connor turned it around and posted on Twitter some of the conversation between him and Dana through text message or messenger, or whichever, but screenshot it. And it was clear as day that Connor was looking for fights since fe- uh, February. And one of those fights was actually he said he'd he'd even fight Diego Sanchez who's way past his prime um and Dana was actually asked about that over the weekend at the UFC pay-per-view uh, pay fight um and I, I agree with him though that he he believes the fight commission would not even allow that to happen but with the text messages being released seems to have soured the relationship between Connor and Dana 
because now Dana's even coming out saying um, he was working on trying to get Habib versus Connor as tough enough coaches and have the rematch and now Connor has screwed that up for himself because of this little spat they got going on on Twitter but the thing is this whole time Dana's been in a way throwing Connor under the bus saying that he's been offering him fights and has been turning him down when really if you go back and look at the the tweets Connor really hasn't he was trying to work with Dana to get some fights granted when this pandemic hit back in late February early March um, Connor asked for uh, a couple different fights in LA and at the time that's when everything was shut down and um, even to this point now you know there was no fans allowed to be in the arena and kind of defending the UFC a little bit here they're not going to put Connor into a fight with no fans they're not going to make any money Connor's their, their money maker you know so but then Connor turned around and said well how about Diego San- Sanchez over in Ireland like I said they're not going to give him Diego but why not give him somebody else why does it have to be in LA or on Fight Island you know Connor was asking for the fights so fast forward to this past Monday I believe it was Connor tweeted to Dustin Poirier what if we throw a charity MMA bout on and also said to Dustin that all proceeds will go to Dustin's um, foundation, the Good Fight Foundation, as well as some of Connor's charities of choice. Dustin Poirier tweeted back, "Let's go, let's let's work it out." Connor responded with, "Let's talk offline and hammer out the deals." Connor offered to fly all the families over. Um, wants to do it December twelfth in Dublin. He'll pay for the airfare and all, all this other thing, all this other stuff. And then earlier today, Poirier said, "Mark it on your calendars, December 12th." So it sounds like now it's going to be on pay-per-view. So that's going to be one way that they're going to raise some of the money for these foundations. But it sounds like it's a go. But the thing is, they're both under contract from UFC, <clears throat> and. They have to sign off on and give it the okay of this fight. It's just going to be a sparring match. No, um, even Connor said no weigh-ins, um, catch weight, basically unified rules. And I can't see why UFC can't say, "Yeah, go ahead." I mean, they if they if they turn around and Dana White turns around and says, "No, you're not doing it." It's pretty shitty on them. Now, let's also let's not forget that Dustin turned down a fight with Tony because he wanted more money, and Dana White even said he negotiated himself out of that fight and is looking for a different fight for Tony. Well, hopefully this goes on. Um, a lot of the fans have been asking for a rematch between the two. And what better way than for it to go to good cause? 
Now maybe Dana White and UFC could help promote it as long as none of the money goes to UFC. Maybe pay the, the cost for production and stuff like that, but I just hope that UFC doesn't try to piggyback up on this because they see that a lot of fans want, want it done. Dana White may have messed up by kind of painting Conor as a running away from fights fighter and now that the cat's out of the bag it's going to try to save face this is on top of Connor coming out last Friday and announcing him and Manny Pacquiao will be boxing there's no date or time place set yet and I, I will I'll touch on that match in a second here but This goes back to January with Connor after he beat Cowboys and he wants to fight two, three times a year. He wants to get back to his old ways. And in those tweets between him and Dana, basically Dana shelved him to be a backup for Justin Gaethje and Habib, which is seven months from that time. So you want your pay-per-view guy to sit on the sidelines, wait for that fight when he could have had other fights, especially now. You know, you got Fight Island. Why can't he fight at Fight Island? He doesn't have to come flying to the U.S. There's no reason why Dana White and UFC can't set something up. And that's why I'm, I'm hoping that Dana and UFC don't get their, their, their hands on any of this money that they're Connor and Dustin is uh, are trying to raise for their, their foundation. So, getting back to this Manny Pacquiao Connor McGregor boxing fight. Now, we remember uh, the circus of Floyd Mayweather versus Connor, and now we're gonna have Manny Pacquiao versus Connor. I think it's gonna be a shit show again. I don't think it's gonna be as big of a shit show as last night's presidential debate oh, uh, Tuesday night's presidential debate but in order for Connor to actually be able to box even a pro boxer not even one of the greats or well, greatest I should say between Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather he needs years to be able to get that boxing training let's not forget when he fought Floyd Mayweather there was a few times he was doing hammer fists he was trying to do headlocks. Um, I'm surprised he didn't go try to go for a double leg takedown. Now, did he learn his lesson? Maybe. As far as Manny Pacquiao, he came out and announced that all proceeds that he makes are going to go back into his country to families and individuals that have been affected by the COVID um, pandemic. So, obviously, Manny's going to make a, a pretty nice payday. Um, I forget exactly where the Floyd Connor went, but it was right up there with Floyd and Pacquiao. So, they're going to make their money. I just hope this is like a one and done. And Connor just be done with boxing because he's not a boxer, he's an MMA athlete. Now, on one hand, I'm kind of happy to see him. At least this way he's staying active. He's, he's not going to be able to get a chance to have any ring rust put on him. But he's not a boxer. 
and I see Manny Pacquiao doing the same thing that Floyd Mayweather did toy with them and then eventually either knocking them out or having the ref stop step in to put an end to the fight but as far as the Poirier Connor fight I, I'm glad to see both of them want to raise some money for charity during this, these times and I hope it does happen and they make tons of money for their foundations now I talked a little bit last week about Notre Dame football um, some of their players testing positive the Wake Forest game being postponed well this past Monday more players have tested positive they are up to 18 players that test positive they're off this week they have Florida State next weekend I'm curious to see how this is going to play out I mean we knew this was going to happen and you know we're going to touch on a little bit here in a little bit but we also see it now happening in the NFL with the Tennessee Titans you could put all the types of, of masks on their helmets to stop at the spit and the sweat but you're still rolling around on the ground tackling each other you still have physical contact there's going to be no way to be able to contain this virus amongst football players I'm just hoping that you figure okay they tested positive this past Monday hopefully they can get cleared by you know this coming Monday which would have been 10 to 14 days since the Florida game the uh, uh, University of Southern Florida game and they'll be able to resume their their schedule but when this story came out about Notre Dame, I started thinking about, I'm like, I wonder what's going to happen if any teams from the Big Ten or the Pac-12 uh, Pac test positive for COVID and have to postpone games because they're on a very, very tight schedule now. Only playing eight games and I think Pac-12 is playing seven. With these teams that are playing 12 games 11-12 games for this year, at least they have one or two weekends that are open that they could reschedule it for that weekend. Now, Notre Dame, this was one of their, their open weekends. Now they're really in a tight window to try to get the, the schedule done, the games done. And I still believe that there should be some type of wind requirement to be eligible for the playoffs. And eight games and seven games should not be it. I'm sorry. You should have at least double-digit wins to be eligible. I mean, we, the past few years, even before these pandemics, we saw how hard it was for a two-loss team to make it into the playoffs, let alone a one-loss team. And these teams, even if they go 8-0, and should not be eligible. Now you got Notre Dame. If they lose two games, they shouldn't be able to make the playoffs over a team that, you know, is 8 and 0. Or I'm sorry, uh, you know, 9, 10 and 0. So, definitely college football season. I, I really think 
there's going to be an asterisk next to the national title this year. And for the, the people, I'm going to touch on hockey here for a second. For the people saying, oh, you know, the Stanley Cup needs to have an asterisk now, just stop. At least they start their season, pandemic hit, they set up a playoffs, they didn't have any positive tests once they got in that bubble. Just stop. It's, you know, Tampa Bay Lightning, unfortunately, not the Flyers, but Tampa Bay Lightning are the Stanley Cup playoff champions. Want to congratulate them on that, especially beating the Dallas Stars. But getting back to Notre Dame, hopefully this clears up within the next week so they can resume football. And hopefully, you know, this slowly starts to die down with the positive tests so we all could get back to some form of normalcy at some point. Now, kind of kind of sticking with, you know, games being postponed, NFL talk, Tennessee Titans have postponed their game against the Steelers um, for right now. And there's talk of it being played either Monday or Tuesday. Um, what all happened was nine members of the Tennessee Titans tested positive earlier this week. And there, there was talks of it being postponed, the game being postponed, some game, you know, it might not be. But then unfortunately, uh, three more players Yesterday on Tuesday, tested positive. Daquan Jones, Bo Brinkley, and Tommy Hudson, which forced the NFL to postpone the game. Now you you, you got you know you kind of ask yourself, well, how do these players or how are they eligible to play? And I think this is kind of stupid on the NFL, but they don't do game day testings because of scheduling issues before the game um, for the players and the teams getting to the, the stadium. But if you don't want to postpone games, if you don't want the season to be affected by the pandemic, why are you not testing game days? I'm testing every other day except for the game day. What's one more day? You could get the test back. If you, I forget which test it is, but you could get back within a few hours. So you bring the players in at 8, 9 in the morning. Test them by game time. You'll know if they're, they're eligible or not. And this is the first game of it happening this year. And I don't think it's going to be the last. You know, before the season started, I said that I really think the NFL screwed up by not doing a bubble city type schedule I understand football is played on Sundays and Mondays Thursdays don't even really count because those games are garbage but why couldn't you do one game a day set a schedule up for that you had all this time all these months knowing about the pandemic that you could have set a schedule up for that and said okay you know AFC East teams you can play on Monday against any NFC South teams or, or whatnot. 
there was there was ways around this and the nfl i, I believed really screwed this up and you're going to start to see more and more players now testing positive and have games affected just like we saw early on in the season of uh, major league now there's the the positive test that came from the tennessee titans players was due to the game between them and minnesota vikings no players or personnel from minnesota has tested positive from them so they are still scheduled to play their games And Minnesota has Houston this week, and they're going to keep that game because it's scheduling-wise hard to um, be able to reschedule that one. But like I said, I don't think this is going to be the, the last time you're going to see any positive tests during the season. I did know some of the coaches not wearing masks again, and didn't really get to read the full article when it, right before it came on, but the NFL did send another stern letter out saying if coaches on the sideline who aren't playing continue to not wear the mask properly, they're going to start taking draft picks away and suspending coaches. Because there was at least one or two coaching assistants for the Eagles, I noticed, with their mask you know, either just covering her mouth or right below their lips. Sorry, but rules are rules. If, if the NFL says you got to wear a mask, wear it the right way. Otherwise, you're going to get in deep, deep shit with the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is a one kind, you know, one, one kind of a, a talent. He's the fastest quarterback to ever hit 10,000 yards. And when I saw that, I was like, holy shit. I mean, he's only been in the league two, three years, and he's already hit 10,000 yards. But if you if you go back and look at it, in 2018, his first year as a starter, he had over 5,000 yards passing. And that's the year he hit 50 uh, touchdowns. He passed his 10,000-yard mark this past... Um, week this past Monday playing the Baltimore Ravens on a 13-yard pass. And it made me start thinking, three years into his career, can we consider him the greatest of all time already? Since we, we all love to throw the phrase goat around, can we consider him the greatest of all time? Better than Brady, better than Montana, all that. I don't think we can yet. Is he the best in the NFL right now? Without a doubt. I think Lamar Jackson might be right behind him, even though Lamar played like shit this past week. I think Lamar has another year, and he'll be... I don't think he'll be ever as good as Mahomes, but he'll be as an elite quarterback, I would say, another year. As far as Mahomes, here's my thing, is... Is he that good of a quarterback? And it's the old saying... Or is he a system quarterback? Is he fit for Andy Reid's offense? Plus, look at all those the, the weapons he has. The running game he has. All the receivers. You know, Tyreek Hill. And then one of the best tight ends in the league right now. And ever to play that position. Now take him out and put him with the Bears. 
would he still be putting up these numbers? It's the old, you know, like I've been saying about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Right now, I think Bill Belichick, between that debate, is winning that debate. Every game he's played, he's coached with Cam in there, has been phenomenal. And Cam, who has been struggling the past couple years, looks like his old MVP self. Tom Brady, okay, first week he played real crappy. Second week played better. Last week, I think he, he played decent as well. But that first week put him a little behind. So I don't think it's... it's. I, I think it's a little too early to name him the greatest of all time. But I think we should start asking a question. Would Mahomes still be as good as he is in KC with a different team? Yeah, I... I think he would he would be I don't think he would put up as good of numbers as he does but I think he would still be able to do his you know look one way throw sidearm the other way all those fancy passes that he does I think it's I, I think we could say yeah he's he's the real deal I was a little skittish about saying yeah he was the real deal I thought maybe you know the first season not enough teams had tape on him and, and you know that type of thing and then he got hurt in his second year where she still put up some good numbers now i'm convinced yes he's the real deal now as far as carson wentz i mean that question slowly coming back into it is he the real deal after watching him and the eagles come to a tie 23 23 against Cincinnati and there was a lot of a lot of concerns coming out of that game one of, of the first one is Doug Peterson it doesn't seem like he's the gambler anymore you know too many first off there was too many injuries on the offensive line going into the season to begin with and that whole sequence in overtime Jason Peters getting hurt 10 seconds being ran off because he got hurt. Then you're in field goal range and then you have a false start. Then, while right after that, you have your offense on, then you have your punt team on, and you have offense, then you bring your punt team back on, you get delay game. Now you completely knock Jake Elliott out of a chance of getting a field goal. All because of the indecisions for Doug Peterson. Then, I, you know, the next day, I heard a, a clip from ESPN Get Up, Dan Orlovsky, talking about um, was the right decision to punt for it on fourth down or should Doug, uh, Doug kept it in his quarterback's hands. And, and here's, the, here's the clip that Dan Orlovsky was talking about on ESPN. Controversial things, obviously, about the way this game goes. I was just handed a story. This is Doug Peterson appearing on Philadelphia Sports Radio WIP this morning. On the subject of possibly benching Wentz, he said, quote, No, you don't go there. That's a knee-jerk reaction. Carson is our quarterback. On the subject of punting at the end there instead of going for it, he said, looking back, you probably put it in your quarterback's hands to win the game. 
So he does say he regrets that decision. Orlovsky, what did you think of the decision to punt it? Yeah, no, duh. It's a terrible decision. <laughs> it's a terrible choice. I mean, it's fourth and 12. You're playing the team that had the number one pick last year in the NFL draft on a rookie quarterback at home. If you can't beat that team, the tie means nothing. In the NFL, Doug, you know this. It's win or nothing. It's win or nothing else. A tie is a loss. And you had the opportunity to roll the dice. It's an aggressive call. And say, I'm going to trust in my quarterback, who's struggling as much as I've ever seen anyone struggle. And I'm going to trust in my football team. Because I need to inject some juice into my football team. But you decide to punt and go, you know what? We will just take the tie. The reality is this. Two years ago, Frank Reich was in this very situation, same situation. And he said, I got to trust my guys to go make this play. They were one in five at the time, the Colts were. They go for it, they get it, they end up going on a massive run to make the playoffs. Doug Peterson, I'm, where's the guy that, that called Philly special in the Super Bowl? Where's the guy that went for it on fourth and three in the Super Bowl against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots? I understand your team's playing poorly. To go for it on, or to, to punt on fourth and 12 sends a very clear message to your football team that you don't think they're any good. RC. And that's a tough locker room to be in. What do you think of the. So, and uh, you know, I, I agree with Orlowski there. Um, if you watch the clip that they show, as they're talking about it, they show a clip of, of Carson Wentz kind of moping around on the sideline. Yeah, I agree. It gives more pressure on Wentz that. My coach don't believe in me. You're paying the dude $33 million a year. Yes, he is struggling. I understand that. But I agree. You go for it. You get that first down. That injects life into that team. That might give them some confidence. And then who knows? I mean, uh, 2017, Jake Elliott kicks a 61-yard field goal. From that point on to win the game, from that point on, we ran the table and we went on to win the Super Bowl. Sometimes you have to take a gamble, hopefully, to jumpstart this offense. And by punting it, you left 19 seconds to the Bengals, pinned back, you played for the tie. Why not play? Give your team a chance to, to win it. And if you lose, and here, here's the other thing I don't understand. I don't understand why you didn't want to go for the field goal after those penalties. Because not only do you turn the ball over at midfield, you also turn the ball over where they spot the kick. Why not go for it on fourth down, let Wentz chuck it up for a Hail Mary, and eat two of thing, two things could go, uh, go in their favor. Either they get a, a touchdown, obviously, or Cincinnati dumbly picks it off down there, and then that's just as good as a punt, but at least you gave your team a chance to score a touchdown or get a first down. And that's the other thing I, I agree with, Dan, is that that gambling mood that Peterson had in 2017 seems like it's gone. Frank Wright has team one and five went for it and went on a run so I, I think if the Eagles offense and the Eagles in general keep playing terrible you're going to see Peterson 
not be on Philly much longer. Even though I actually believe Howie Roseman should be the one to get fired before Peterson. I mean, just look at his draft class. It's just, just terrible. Um, Rager gets gets hurt. Peterson comes out and says, we're going to really rely on, on Whiteside you know, these next few weeks. 18 snaps. 18 snaps out of 91 he had this past game. It's time to cut him, free up some cap space for next year to get underneath, and let some of the young guys like um, that we that we drafted this past year, hopefully you draft it right. Now, I mean, there were some positives I took out of it. Defensively, they had eight sacks. It seemed like that front line was finally coming around. Hopefully they can keep it up against the 49ers who are banged up. And this may be just like me wishful thinking or wishful looking at, I should say. But towards the very end there of the game, it seemed like Greg Ward and Carson Wentz started to get that little bit of chemistry back that they had last year when Ward started to come on strong. So I think game plan wise, passing wise, Philly should be looking at that and trying to get that chemistry going, at least with one of his receivers. Miles Sanders lights out. He was playing a hell of a game. Why they stopped running him with eight minutes left in the second quarter, I don't know. I, I think, you know, Doug's saying he's got to simplify the offense and let Carson play. I think Doug is in Doug's head. I think he's overthinking some of these plays, and it's costing him. It's costing him dearly. Nate Gary, just terrible. Just fire him, get him out, out of off this team already. I, I'd rather put a wide receiver back there as a linebacker than what this guy is doing. He's just terrible. Now, there was some injuries. Deshaun Jackson, dude, I love you and everything, but it's time. It's time to hang it up. You know, you're coming into this season after missing 95% of last season, saying you're fully healthy, and here you get hurt this game. You barely played last week. It's like can't stay healthy, and by not staying healthy, you're not helping the team. Dallas Goddard fractured his ankle. He's out indefinitely. And that's a huge, huge loss for Carson Wentz because he led the team on targets, catches, yards, almost every type of receiving category that there is. And this is why I say I think Philly should game plan some plays to get Ward and Carson Wentz on the same page, get that chemistry going because... Carson's accuracy <clears throat> is terrible right now, and I think if he could get some chemistry with someone he's comfortable with, all those other plays will come along. And it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting Sunday night game because you got us versus the San Fran 49ers with all their injuries. Nick Bosa out for the year. Tevin Coleman, I believe, is out for a few weeks. Um but that offense got to get going somehow, some way. Do I think they're going to win? Honestly, I, I don't know. Until I see a full three-phase working together, not just the defense this week, the offense next week. I don't even know if we could get over 500 this year. 
that's how bad I, I think we are right now. So, be curious to see what's going to happen. I mean, I'll, you guys will find out next Thursday when I'm yelling and screaming at Fire Doug Pearson, Fire Howie Roseman. But before we go, we are going to have our blue picks. And here is your Blue Picks of the Week, brought to you by Skunk Duck Studios, the best ducking designs on the web. Yeah, so we have some decent picks this, this week to, to pick from. Um, just a little recap, Blue Picks are, are blowout locks, upset picks of our week. I do it for fun. I wouldn't pick these teams if you're taking my advice, but hey, if you if you win some money, go right ahead. So the blowout pick this week, this seemed like an obvious one to me. Baltimore over the Washington team. Baltimore's favored by 13. They just lost to the Kansas City Chiefs again. So I think they're going to be playing pissed off. Want something to prove. I think Lamar Jackson has a, a bounce back game, a pretty big game because let's be honest, not only the Washington team, but the whole NFC East is garbage. I think I saw something. Um, NFC East as a whole are like 7-29. and 29, Whereas the next division is like 12 wins. You know, so like we are a terrible, terrible division. And going up against a high caliber offense like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are is a recipe for disaster for the Washington team. My lock pick is Seattle. I got Seattle over Miami. Seattle's favored by six and a half. Seattle's just hot. And Russell Wilson is playing like an MVP already going in four weeks into the season. He's just hot. Um, Miami, I think, is still young. And DK Metcalf, he, he's playing really well, even though he had that one bonehead play. It seems like um, Russell and he uh, DK has that chemistry going. So I have them beating Miami. Then for the upset, even though I just bashed my Eagles, uh, I'm kind of going back on what I just said. Eagles are getting seven. They, they have to win. And, and that's why I'm picking this upset. If they don't, the, the the chance to fire everybody's gonna get louder. And at some point, this team, the the walls to their back, and there's only one way out of this season, and that's fighting. And and they gotta they gotta show some fight. Defense did. Um, I mean, the defensive line, Nate Gary's just terrible. Like I said, corners are playing well. Just this offense, they gotta get going. And if they could get going. I think they could pull the upset up against the Niners. They ain't going to win big. I can see them winning by three points. But they got to do something, and they got to do it now. Otherwise, their season is going to be lost. And there will be changes in this offseason. 
So I think that's going to be it for this week. Uh, head over to staytunesports.net. Like I said, our social media stuff is right there on the side there. All our old podcasts, all the way back from 2016. Merchandise tabs up top. So till next week, this is your good friend Jimbo signing out.